Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. I'm, I'm just so already encouraged, um, just in the way that I just sense our community continually wanting to focus on Jesus. And um, yeah, so Jesus, thank you. Thanks for good news. And God, even if this was bad news, I'm convinced that we would still be worshiping you because you're good. And even if we stood up here and we talked about how uh, we had to move Ben and Doug to no time pastors and they're just volunteering their service, that we would still be celebrating because you died and rose again from the grave. Because you love us, because you're crazy about your people and you're crazy about the beautiful message of the king invading the world with his love and grace spreading forth. And so even if we had to stand up here on a bad news Sunday, we would still sense joy in our hearts because of your goodness. So Lord, I I pray for the pastors and the churches that are meeting underground all over the world right now uh, who wouldn't even uh, sniff the potential of having a salary, Lord. And we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you have provided for the Pitsons and the Moisters in this year already for what you're going to do. And Lord, I thank you for the ways that you're providing for this community and for the growth that we are seeing both internally and externally. God, help us to take risks. Help us to be wild-eyed people who just love you and are willing to try whatever it takes to see some come to know you personally. In your name, amen. So a few years ago, uh, I had a very unique opportunity. Um, If anyone has ever driven with me, you would know that there's like grandpa slow and then there's Doug slow. I've never owned a fast vehicle. My first car was a turbo diesel Volvo, which means really slow that puts out plumes of black smoke. Like, I'm pretty sure I am responsible for the ozone hole because of that car. Because you put that in the hands of a teenager and you are in trouble. Um, But a friend of mine uh, was able, he he won this this thing and they gave him two tickets to a, a Porsche drive event. And so in some ways I felt like it was kind of wasted on someone because I, I'm, I'm really not that big of a car guy, but it was the most incredible thing. We were in, on the inside track of the Pocono Speedway. So that was about as farthest as I've ever dreamed of being close to one of those places. Um, but it was amazing to sit in the cockpit of these jets and to feel this power paired with the precise handling of a well-crafted, you know, engineered vehicle. But what I enjoyed and what shaped me the most was not just the power of the car. It wasn't just the fact that it would handle super well, but it was something that happened in the the pre-game conversation that we had. And so we were in this room with these professional drivers and and this guy stands up and he says, what's the most important characteristic and attributes of drivers? You know, guys were like, you know, not afraid to put the, you know, thing down and trust the car and, you know, do all this. And you got to be strong. You got to be courageous. You got to be bold, you know, speed, understanding how to drift, all this stuff. And he just kept shaking his head no. And he stopped. He said, the most important attribute and characteristic of a driver and the most important strength is the eyes of a driver. He said, you should always, your eyes are always focused on where you're going to go. And where your eyes go, your hands follow. 
And I'm just sitting there, you know, like everyone else is like, hmm, you know, they're like strapping on their driving gloves. And I'm like in this heavenly place thinking about how this deeply impacts the way that I think about our king and the kingdom. Where our eyes look, our hands will follow. And so this is why every six months in January and September, uh, we take a Sunday and we talk about the vision of Renew. Because where our eyes go, our hands and our bodies and our hearts and our minds will follow. And so as a community, we will keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, I, I gave you all a sheet of paper, and I want you to write this down on, on one side. Um, N.T. Wright said this, If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. And keep looking until you're no longer a spectator, but a part of his grand story. Look at Jesus. Give you a second to write this down. In 2018, our vision was to fall in love with Jesus to cultivate our hearts and align our desires and affections towards him, and to be committed to trusting the Holy Spirit by partnering with him and taking risks, by sharing the love of Christ with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family, so that some would come to know Jesus. And we talked about this in the vision of a nursery. We want to be a community that has a robust, growing nursery. And Renew, you've done a good job of growing the nursery physically out there. And I'm very thankful for that. But it's been, it's been hard to see the nursery grow. To see people come to know Jesus in the year that passed. And that's why I feel like this is still the vision. And after praying and discerning what the next vision would be for Renew over the last few months, we've decided the elders, Ben and myself, that we're committed to continue in the vision that God has placed for us of stoking our love for Christ and for taking risks and sharing the love of Christ with those around us. And our prayer is that as we love Christ and lift him up, that he will draw people and get us into some wild kingdom mischief, the kinds that we could never have imagined. Since Renew's inception, it has longed to pursue an accurate view of God, and it has longed to pursue God's vision for church. And we believe that church is about a community, a family, that continues to be shaped into the likeness of Christ for the sake of the world. The likeness of Christ for the sake of the world. And we pursue this with our unique structure and rhythm of gathering and house church. 
We are a community that is blessed to live into a double major. And that double major is always these two words that we want to continue. And when I say the word formation, we can also use the word discipleship to talk about the word formation. Formation is how we're growing into the image of Christ. And that's the same thing that the way that we think about discipleship. It's the same concept. It's the same idea. But we are discipled so that we can make disciples. We are formed so that we can be sent. And so the idea is that we want to be people who are formed to join with the wild Holy Spirit for the mission of God. And we understand that mission of God to be something really simple, to bless the world. And that seems really big and it seems really wild and it seems really difficult, but what I appreciate about the way Renew has structured their lives and the ideas of the people that gather week in and week out is that we see that in the very small spaces of our neighborhoods, more specifically of our neighbors, of our coworkers, of our friends, of the business owners that we come in contact with, with the parking meter guy, with people that we do life with. It's not just some big pie in the eye vision, but it has legs and arms and flesh and bone, and it's sometimes the people who are sitting right next to us. And so our gatherings, we major in formation because we have an opportunity to hear stories. Stories are like putting meat on bones. They are these beautiful things that challenge and change and shape and give us these pictures of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so we are going to continue to tell stories at Renew because we believe stories mean something. That's why we started the In Between podcast because we want to continue to see stories being shared of how people are following Jesus from Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. And Renew, you've continued to do this well, but we need to continue to keep our eyes on that. We also major in formation in the way that we worship Jesus. Something broke within Renew that fateful morning that Ben did the double gainer half twist handspring followed by the roll off of the basketball loop. But I believe that something was unlocked in us that there is this new capacity for joy. And I never want that to overshadow the fact that people have hard things happening in life and we're not just gonna say, just put a smile and everything's gonna be fine, but we're gonna say, Man, we know it's hard, but we also know that God is with us. We can move in the knowledge, even in the midst of the grief and the suffering, knowing that God is still good. And that's a hard transition, but we recognize that that's a journey, but that's how we do this. Worship shapes us when we focus our eyes on Jesus through the songs and through the table and through the other things that we do within these gatherings. It forms us and shapes us to understand who Jesus is. The preached word is central to the formation that takes place here. We talk about the scriptures because we believe the scriptures have power to transform people's lives. And it's not just the words on the page, but it's the God behind the scriptures that transforms. It's the work of the spirit in the hearing of the word, as it says in, in, uh, in the scriptures of itself, that it's like a double-edged sword that cuts between bone and marrow. It never, as whenever it's preached, it never comes back empty. It always comes back with fruit. So we are continually going to be focused on the teaching of the word. And central to our formation is this beautiful stained table.
table. This table that underneath of it has all these beautiful name tags that say I am praying for with all these names written on it. Because we come to the table as people expectant to receive God's grace, but underneath that table is the beautiful reality of the people that need God's grace as well. We're shaped by this meal every single time, but the truth is, is my hope is we're not just shaped by this table, but that this table then shapes every table that we gather around. I love hearing stories from parents telling me, yeah, whenever we have bread and soup at our house, our kids are like the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Because guess what? They're getting it. They're getting that this table is shaped bigger than just the one that we meet around here because this is where grace and mercy just seems to explode and our imagination just runs wild with how big his grace and mercy is. But if I could sum up the formation of what what we hope to see every single time we gather is this, and it's just in a real simple statement, that this isn't a come and see place, but this is a come and participate community. Church is family. Church is a potluck. When we come, we come to participate. That's why I love the fact that Ben and I have such small roles. We have big roles to play within these gatherings, but there are so many people that come and participate between the folks that serve and the people that show up beforehand to set up and the people that lead us in worship and the people that do announcements. There are so many opportunities for us together to serve the body, for the workers that are out with our little ones, praying for them and playing with them, and for the the people who are upstairs shaping our kids' imaginations of how good God is. Church is a place we participate. It's something we participate in. It's a family we belong to. And our house churches, they major in formation around vulnerable relationships that are focused on the lordship of Jesus and the reality of his kingdom. Because it's within house churches that we have a chance to sit face to face with one another and not just hear someone sort of talk about something, but we have an opportunity to really dive into what the Lord may have. It almost feels like house churches should be like experimental labs where we're throwing all these chemicals together just hoping it doesn't explode but waiting for it to because we're so excited. But these are these beautiful places that we have where we're able to sit face to face and talk about the Lordship of Jesus and to encourage one another. And I love that it fleshes itself out in sharing meals, in joys, in burdens, in worship, in encouragement, and in love. And so if you want to be part of a successful house church, this is the the secret sauce. Be there. Be there. And even if the days that you're there and you don't feel like being there, be there. Because something happens in the transformational space because God, in his brilliant design of how he made us human, we don't do this alone. Formation is not a solo sport. It's a family adventure. A couple of things that we're uh, bringing into house church this year, and this is sort of like a side note, um, Mayor and Aaron Ensinger and Rachel Frederick have developed this beautiful house church liturgy for the kids. And so um, some of your house, some, like I know the Schwanksville house church has already been kind of moving in this direction, but for those of you who are part of house churches know that that is, this upcoming week is the first time. And let me just tell you a few things about that. Um, it has a structure. Kids need structure. I just, I want to just put that out there. Some of you may think I'm crazy, but kids need structure. 
And this house church liturgy for the children has this opportunity where we get a chance to provide that structure. And, and hear me, I want you all to hear this very clearly. It's going to be really awkward at first because if your kids have not had structure, they may think it's crazy. And it may feel like you're trying to put them into some kind of a wild camp that is for bad kids, but it's not. Stick with it, and it's going to plan out and pay out. Um, but this liturgy has this great opportunity for us to realize that the discipleship of our children is the most important thing that we have as a generation. If we don't disciple our kids, the church dies. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit can move beyond that, but that's what we get to do. Now, that doesn't, that's not just a calling for us as parents. That's a calling for us as a church. And what I believe happens in house churches that really does the work of discipleship even more so is what happens in the cracks. So when you show up, it's not just the liturgy that changes a kid's life, but it's sitting down and saying, so Chase, tell me about basketball this week. I hear Ben Pitson's your coach. How was that? Is he a mean guy? What did he say? <laughs> and just to have these conversations with these kids, because friends, I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and you know, what I, you know what I've learned from being a youth pastor for 11 years? It's really simple. No one, hardly anyone ever remember, remembered a teaching. But what they remembered was Paul Himes, who was their small group leader. What they remembered was, you know, Mr. So-and-so who continued to hang out. They remembered Pam Sherry showing up at a basketball game. They remembered, you know, Jared Blankenship taking them out for a Coke. They remembered the people that invested in their life. And that's why the faith got sticky. And that's why they're still following Jesus. So every time you get a chance to be with your family in a, in a, in a house church setting, it's almost like mini youth group. And you and we and all of us have this beautiful responsibility of loving our kids and being invested into what they do. And my, my guess is, you know, the national average of like, you know, 80% of all kids that grow up in a church setting and leave for college never come back. I think Renew would be very different. I think it'd be like, yeah, 100% of these kids are still here. And our, their parents are a little ticked off because they want to push them out of the nest, but they keep coming back. But I think there's something about us being invested not just in the life of one another, but even in the life of our kids as we are worshiping together in house church. And so as we are formed, we begin to sense movement in our hearts towards others outside. And we call this mission. And so formation for mission, the formation that takes place within house churches and with the gathering should be pushing us somewhere. As you've heard myself and Ben, and we're not the end users of the gospel. The gospel doesn't sit on us and we're like, man, this is just real comfortable. But it's called for us to share, to push outwards. And we believe that God has a mission for every single person who is sitting in this place. All of us. We are all called to partner with God on his mission. Because God is on mission to redeem and rescue that which is lost to bless the world through us. My friends, this is what we get to do. This isn't what we have to do. This is what we get a chance to partner with. And many of you who are up for this, we cultivate these relationships through the trust and through the work of the Holy Spirit, of recognizing every single space that we inhabit is a space where we're, we're anticipating God's goodness to break through at some point way or some shape or somehow because we know that God is wild about his kids and especially the ones that are lost. Are we tracking so far? So I believe that God has a word for that. That's enough about the vision stuff, but I, I believe that God has a word for us this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to um, Matthew uh, 14. 
22 for 33. And uh, if you could stand, I just want to read this. I want you to notice the eyes. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd after he had dismissed them. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were with him in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So there's a couple things that I think we need to recognize as we look at this passage, and it's real simple. First is this. Jesus loves to be interrupted. This amazes me. Jesus is kind of like planning on walking past people, but he is okay with the interruption. Hey, what's going on, guys? I, I mean, if I try to imagine this in my brain, it's almost, it's a comedy. This is a, this is a comedy scene. Like Jesus is laughing, I, I think, as I picture this entire thing that plays out. But the theological truth that Jesus is okay being interrupted. I mean, some of us had parents that every time we'd ask a question, felt like we were interrupting them. But that Jesus looks at us, and when we have questions, when we have weird things, when there's stuff that happens, he actually likes to be interrupted. I mean, that convicts me as a father who I get frustrated at times when I'm interrupted. But God doesn't. He's okay. And I really appreciate that Peter, in this moment, says something really silly that I think we look at in, in sort of flatlined paper but if I saw some dude walking in the water, I don't know if I would have the courage or maybe the stupidity to say, if it's really you, tell me to come out. I think there was a moment of hesitation where Peter was like, what are these words coming out of my mouth? And they land, and Jesus is like, come on out. I'm sorry, but that would be really, really scary. But Jesus invites us out of our safe, comfortable boats. And that's hard. That is difficult, but it's also thrilling. I love that picture, like jumping off of a cliff into this big lake below. It's, 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 it's exhilarating yet terrifying. And this is probably one of those moments that is exhilarating yet terrifying. The other thing that I notice in this passage that I think is important for us is the waves and the winds and the distractions of them are always, they always seem to be present. We could probably sit here and list so many fears that we would all leave afraid by the time that we're done making this list. And the truth is, is I believe these waves and the winds are our distractions and our fears. And so it makes me think about that. What are the things that are distracting me from keeping my eyes on Jesus? Is it the finances? Is it a relationship? Is it just depression and stuff within our own souls that we just feel so lonely and isolated? And that those things are trying to pull our eyes off of Jesus. 
But what I appreciated about the story is Jesus never takes his eyes off of Peter. Think about that. Jesus is not taking his eyes off of Peter. Even though Peter's eyes are distracted by the winds and the waves, it's not like Jesus is out to lunch or in left field, like, oh, you're, where, did, where did you go? But his eyes are there. And so what I appreciate is that when we keep our eyes locked on Jesus and not the stuff around us, that that's the sweet space of formation. That's the sweet space of discipleship. And this is a choice that we make daily. For me personally, we make, I make minutely or secondly. And that the truth is, is that I am safe in the arms of God, even when things seem so out of control and wild. God is still God. He is still on his throne. He is still good. And he is still with us. Because I'm always safe in the arms of Christ. Even in the midst of Peter's sinking, Jesus has him. Sometimes we feel like in the midst of our sinking, we're totally isolated and totally alone. And I want to tell you that is a lie. You are not isolated. You are not alone. There are people, and beyond people, there is a God who sees and hears and whose eyes are on you. It's not fair playing hide and seek with someone who sees all. I think what this means to keep our eyes locked on Jesus is that we also need to be people who learn to speak out truth even when we're struggling to believe it. I want you to write this down on that. Flip the card over on the other side, and I'll give you more time to write this down. I'm sorry about that the last time. But this is something that Dave uh, Balecki has brought into uh, men's discipleship, and, and for many of us, this has been really radical. And it's just really this beautiful, simple passage, simple saying that a guy named James Bryan Smith took from the Scripture in different ways, but it says this, I'm a beloved child of God, one in whom Christ dwells, and I am living in the unshakable kingdom of God. Take a minute, write that down. And between these two things that we've got on this, I want us to put that somewhere where we're going to see this every day so that we could start shaping our imagination with these realities. Look to Jesus and understanding who we are as we look to him. Now this passage is a pointed lesson in discipleship. And really the question comes down to this, do you trust me? Even when the winds and the waves are crashing, will you continue to keep your eyes fixed on me? And I think that's a difficult space to be as we think about what is ahead. Personally, as we think about what is ahead nationally, globally, it's really simple to be distracted by the fears that we see continually pounding our minds and our hearts and our thoughts. But as we said in the beginning, as we were led by Josiah, the statements that we continue to say over and over, that his love endures forever. Not his love endures until, but his love endures forever. 
Jesus wants us to walk on water, and he enables us to do so. Uh, Last year, during Vision Sunday, I preached on um, John. The end of the book of John, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, uh, or he's he's having a barbecue on the beach, and Peter and the guys are out fishing again, and they notice Jesus off on the shore. And it says that Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to Jesus. I, I think, it's not in there, but I think, I think Peter thought he was going to run on the water. I think he was so excited to see who Jesus was, to see him alive again, that I think he really believed that he was about to walk on that water again. And what I loved is even when he sank down, he just swam with all his might to get to that beach. I love the idea that we are safe and secure even when we fail. He has us. Um, If you've ever had a chance to talk with Mayor, uh, the person that I'm really fortunate to be married to, um, and you ever ask her, like, how have you seen God's goodness in your life? Um, When we made the move from Eagleville, where we lived, to Lansdale, uh, she, she'll go into, the, she like, uh, as, as we say in the elder team, she uncorks, like there's this like thing that pops and she bubbles out. Um, but what's so cool is she always says, you know, like we, we, we wanted this from God and he blessed us with this. And I think that's what happens when we begin to trust God, when we begin to keep, when we continue to keep our eyes focused on him. We might ask for this and it might be this. And sometimes that journey is not just overnight. Sometimes that's a long haul. But God is in the midst of surprising us because he invites us to take these risks. We never step out alone into this scary stuff. We, I mean, I think about the risk of taking on Ben, but my, my friends, like was said earlier, it is so amazing to see the fact that we made a decision as an elder team to say this seems to be what the Spirit is calling us to, and not three weeks later, do we get this beautiful surprise of we're, we're like, yep, got it. We're here. We're moving forward. We do have to continue to shed off this poverty mindset and realize that God is a God of abundance. And I love the way that Cindy nuances that. It's not that pray for a Mercedes conversation. It's that God wants to bless you so that you bless others. So we pray for the abundant blessing so that we can be pipes and not buckets. And so Renew, how are we going to do this? What is this going to look like? It's real simple. We're going to keep our eyes on the Father in growing in our trust in his goodness. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus as our obsession, not our possession. And we're going to keep our eyes fixed on the Spirit as he leads us to share the joyful message of the King and his kingdom. So we're going to keep our eyes focused on the Father in our worship. We're going to trust and we're going to continue to choose joy in the midst of our times that we're together. We're going to ask that his goodness, the way that we see his goodness would increase. I want to challenge us to, to open up our hearts when we come together to worship. And I don't just mean singing. I mean when we gather together, whether it be in a house church or whether it be in this, in this space here, that we would invite the Spirit to wreck our lives and just to just to completely change the depth of of how we understand him and who he is. Because this is what I've learned. I've been following Jesus for 20 years, and I still have yet to plumb the depths of his love. And I think as a church, if we can give ourselves to that, I think it's going to change the way that we do everything. 
And I'm not saying that we need to be a church that becomes more expressive, because I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, but I am saying this, that worship is a subversive practice that places God at the center of our desires and not us. So sometimes it's okay to become uncorked. And even in that stretching space, it shapes us and forms us to trust him even more. I want to see us continue to worship God fully, to revel in his goodness. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus by being intentional about following him Monday through Saturday. And part of that is within our house churches, that we would begin to understand and continue to put the gas on what it means to develop life with God outside of the the bookends of a weekend, but that we'd be continually having him become our obsession. I had this picture, um, I'm reading a book right now with a friend, and and there's this idea of um, one of the worst things that ever happened was when we decided as, as, as the big capital C church was, once you're saved, it's all good. Like, you're saved, everything's fine. And it almost puts Jesus as this picture of like, he's our possession. Like, we got him. Okay, like now that I've got that trophy, I'll put it up on a wall. And I started thinking, it would almost be like being married uh, to someone really great and be like, yeah, got this one back in November 3rd, 2001. She comes out and does stuff every once in a while. She's great. But if I approach my marriage in that way, I feel like it'd be so shallow. And so she's not a possession. God is, Jesus is not a possession, but he's our obsession. And that changes to just have our desire grow towards Jesus, to see it continue to pour out of our lives, that we would know Jesus' personality. What does his smile look like? What, is it, what does his laugh sound like? How do we understand what it's like to see the tears in his eyes when he's grieving with us? That we would understand who Jesus is I think if that happened, there's this old saying, I don't know if you've heard it, um, you hear it around uh, hockey players, but there's this stupid saying, and it says, uh, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Um, anyone ever heard that? But I, I almost picture it like this, if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, it's like I showed up at a bar and a church broke out, or I showed up at this place and church happened. I think that's what it would look like. And as I think about the last thing, keeping our eyes on the Holy Spirit, this is what it means for us, that we would take risks, that we would continue to see the nursery grow, that our neighbors would have opportunities to hear the good news of Jesus. I think specifically, like, Renew, I want to call you to two things that are already happening. Number one is this. If you haven't yet been to community dinner, you need to come. You need to come and experience and connect with people who are coming here and having these beautiful meals around tables. Um, The other way that it's really happening right now is through the foster and adoption support group. Do you realize that people outside of Renew are being blessed through the foster and adoption support group? And this is what I'm guessing. If we follow the Spirit next year, we're going to have five other things like this that are happening, where people's passions are just getting locked in and others are joining in with the wild work of the Holy Spirit. Because Renew does not exist for herself. And if we can keep our eyes focused on the Spirit, I believe we're going to continue to take big risks. So I want you to stand with me as we come to a close here. Kids, too. And I want to invite you to envision a community. A community who spells faith R-I-S-K. A community who makes Jesus our obsession 
and not our possession, a community who takes following Jesus in the in-between as important as our gatherings and house churches, a community who worships our healer and not our hurts, a community who chooses joy even when things are hard, and a community that is sent into the world with the joyful message of God's kingdom. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Renew, will you jump off the cliff with us this year, keeping your eyes on Jesus? And if so, I just want you to answer loudly with an amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.